cybersecurity? There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. Welcome to episode number 546 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Osier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, uh, me, you, Goldfinger, Kimberly Can Fix It, Laura Flores, Matt McDaniel, Tom Bishop, Marcus Kyler, and the Yeet Crew, <laughs> Mad Twitch, all the folks over on LinkedIn like Landon Williams. And so many on YouTube, like Space Tacos and Alpha Sierra, Chris Young, Logan Fuller, former baton holder, coming in hot. We are all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories, on what it means to you as a practitioner. So how can you drive cyber risk reduction with this information? And if you're looking to break into the industry, believe me, there's going to be massive value for each of you here because you're going to get exposed to terminologies and concepts. You're going to be asked in any job interview, how do you stay current on the industry? You're going to want to be networking. This is a shortcut, cheat code, whatever you want to say it, force multiplier economies of scale, insert metaphor, analogy, or figure of speech here. We're straight up crushing it here every single weekday morning, and today is no different. Now, before I start face melting with the top cyber stories of the day, let me holler at you for a second about the stream sponsors who enable me to get up here every single weekday morning and lose my mind. Starting with my good friend Eric Taylor and the crew over at Barricade Cyber. I do not need your pop-up right now. I'm doing a read, Olivia. Listen, Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. We're talking tummy troubles, everybody. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Catch me outside. How about that? That's right. Threat actors, catch me outside. How about that? Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. Also want to say holla to Panopsi Security. Listen. Get a partner who understands your cybersecurity program and your business goals. You need help with tabletop exercises. You need help with enterprise risk assessment. You need help educating end users. Whatever your use case is, Panopsi Security's got a solution. Think of them as like a Swiss army knife for cybersecurity programs. Whatever your use case is, they've got one there, including like the little magnifying glass, the tweezers. They got the kit and caboodle. It's like the big fat one that's like unrealistic to carry around on your persons, but it's like a toolbox. That's Panopsi Security. 
And if you need a long-term help, like a CISO to do strategic planning, they got that too. They got it all in spades. So if you need help with InfoSec, go check out panopsi.com. Links in the description below. Holla. Also want to say love to Anti-Siphon Training. More about them at the mid-roll. But do a favor for me. If you're taking the Active Defense Cyber Deception course, sound off in chat. Let us know if you're a student in the Active Defense Cyber Deception course right now. I had multiple people message me yesterday talking about how Simply Cyber was just dominating uh, John Strand's Active Defense Cyber Deception course. So much love. Love to see the hashtag Team SC community support out there straight crushing it. As a word of uh, awareness, I do not prep or uh, research any of the stories we're about to get in here. So I I don't know what we're going to be talking about. I can't wait to see it. You know, I'm as equally interested to see what comes out of my mouth as some of you are. I really have no idea. Um, I also want to let you know every single episode is worth half a CPE. So this episode, 546, is worth half a CPE. What do you do? Say what's up in chat. Hashtag Team SC. Because we are one Simply Cyber community team. We're one Simply Cyber community. And take a screenshot. So like Jeff Wartala just did it. Take a screenshot of that, Jeff. Fire it into a folder on your desktop. And at the end of the year, count the number of files. Divide by two. And that's how many CPEs you have. Because it's half a CPE each. So two equals one. Woo! All right. All right. So, uh, hey, if you're new here... Welcome to the party, pal. We do something for newcomers. It's very, very satisfying. If you are a first-time member of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief, drop a hashtag first-timer in chat. Hashtag first-timer in chat. We simply want to know that you're a first-timer so we can welcome you with open arms. And we have a special sound effect and a special emote just for you. So say first-timer in chat. And let's uh, welcome our newcomers with open arms. Make the circle as wide as it needs to be for the first timers. We love it. Johnny Five's got the emote in spades. Love it, love it, love it. Tamazazun, hashtag Team SC. I love it. All right, guys. It's all about good times. It's all about high fives. But unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how much you love information security, We do have work to do. It is Tuesday, so the segment is Tidbits Tuesday, where I share a little bit about myself. I still don't know what I'm going to share, but that's okay. We'll get into it in good time. So do me a favor. JR Genua, welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. Priceless Pancake Midtimer, we'll take it. Welcome to the party, pal. All right. Hey, y'all. Do me a solid. Austin Lane, hashtag first timer. Welcome to the party, Austin. Let, let me get the let me get my emotes going. You know, I am a squad member. <laughs> I am a squad member. There we go. First timers, welcome to the party, pal. All right, guys. Hey, do me a solid. Sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave. I will see you all at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. These are the cybersecurity headlines for Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. Welcome, Luis Garcia. Microsoft Teams takes another hit. Adding to Microsoft's recent woes on the heels of the outage on Friday that we reported on yesterday, the company has now faced yet another outage. That's two outages across North America and South America in the last three days. 
Microsoft confirmed that Monday's outage impacted users in North America, Canada, and Brazil, with customers experiencing connectivity issues or delays in sending and receiving messages. Now, as of this recording, Microsoft released a statement on their X account stating they are actively monitoring the situation, but, quote, all internal service telemetry is healthy, end quote. Cactus ransomware info. Ah, Lauren, you're, you're switching stories too quick. Ah. <laughs> all right, so check it out. Um, if you use Microsoft Teams, first of all, oh, I like I feel for you. Second of all, uh, many of us do because they package it with their M365 instances. And the CFO is like, why am I spending more money on Zoom? We will just use Microsoft Teams. Move along. Nothing to see here. Move along. But guess what? If Microsoft Teams is down for a significant period of time, as it's been hit again, um, then you know you're going to have to start looking for alternative solutions. I honestly like standing up a solution like Zoom or whatever. I feel here's my thoughts. Okay, one, no one's going to get rid of Microsoft Teams, right? Because it's baked into the product. You're going to pay for it, even if Microsoft Teams was down for like three weeks. That would really, really suck. And but chances are most businesses would just like people people would be resilient. They would like go get um like a free Zoom account or something, right? I mean, look at what happened when the pandemic hit, right? Everybody was everywhere with like Zoom accounts and everything like that. And it people understand that it's a temporary solution. So I don't see Microsoft losing their market share as far as um you know, virtual meeting uh, technologies go. But this isn't a good look for Microsoft. Microsoft is a Fortune 5 company. They're supposed to be resilient. Um, again, if you're going to pick one solution for Microsoft to be out, Teams is a good one. Like if Microsoft Defender went down or Exchange Online went down or <laughs> Sentinel went down, like if any, if any like critical things went down, that would be bad. You know, honestly, um, this is going to be a slight joke, but it honestly, um, it might, you ever heard like, oh, like this meeting could have been solved by sending an email. Maybe this will force the hand of people not wasting your time with meetings that really could just have been done with an email. Uh, so maybe there is a, a silver lining in this. Um, NSA virus lab says it was DNS. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure exactly caused this outage, but certainly DNS could be the issue. BGP could be the issue. Um, border gateway protocol. Um, again, no one has said that BGP or DNS were um, involved, at least as official reporting goes. But I would like to point out, um, BGP is border gateway protocol. And it's basically like a lot of people don't uh, use it or understand it. And, and that's okay, because it's it's more that protocol is more like for, I believe, ASNs or like networks of networks to connect with each other. Like if you think about it for a hot minute, the internet is really just a network of networks. And when the networks of networks talk to each other, they use BGP to do it. So sometimes if BGP gets dorked up, it, it, it it's not like you flip a switch and BGP gets fixed, like routing trees and stuff get updated and then there's like a cascading effect. So it is possible uh, a BGP record could have been updated and blinked out um, a section of, of, of this. Although, honestly, wait a minute. It, it there would be more affected than Microsoft Teams because this is more of an application-specific, not a network-specific. But uh, if you want an instance, go look at um, 
Facebook is the last one that had a BGP issue where a junior engineer made an update and like Facebook disappeared for part of the world uh, for a hot minute. So BSEC, who's our BSEC, who is our our resident senior, senior, senior gray bearded network engineer is saying that it appear it does this does appear to be related to a networking issue and it could be BGP uh, as well. So I'm not completely out of my mind here talking about BGP, but just be mindful of it. This is nothing that you can do. Like you as an individual cannot fix this. All you can do as a business is have a backup plan or um, just, I mean, have a backup plan, use Zoom, send an email, whatever. Like this is, this is annoying, but not really um, catastrophic in any way. Damage on energy giant. Schneider Electric continues to grapple with the aftermath of a ransomware breach that targeted their sustainability business division earlier this month. Now, the energy management and automation giant fell victim to a cactus ransomware attack, reportedly resulting in the theft of terabytes of corporate data. According to Bleeping Computer, the ransomware gang is now attempting to extort the company by threatening to leak the stolen data. In a statement provided to Bleeping Computer, Schneider Electric confirmed the attack and clarified that only one division of the company was impacted. No word on whether the company plans to negotiate with the ransomware group. Customers of the sustainability business division include Clorox, DHL, Hilton, and Walmart. What? The NSA. Hold, hold on. <laughs> I, was, I was doing a couple of things while that story was reading, and I was, I was tracking right up until... Um, until um, I understood who the clients were: DHL, Clorox, Dupont, Hilton, Pepsi, Walmart. Holy crap, dude! Schneider, talk about uh, like walking quietly and carrying a big stick. Look at that! Look at this client list, bro. Damn, son. Nice. Okay, so uh, Schneider Electric hit by ransomware. They said it's only one division of their business that was hit, the uh, sustainability business division. Uh, the threat actors, it looks like it's Cactus Ransomware. They got terabytes of corporate data. We'll see what happens with that. Um, <clears throat> I mean, they certainly have the money. I don't know how much it, how much it was, but let me... Schneider Electric Annual Revenue. Let's, let's get into the, the brass tacks here. Uh, Schneider Electric's annual revenue was zero million dollars. Okay, <laughs> that's good. And a not a number. Oh my God, this is funny. You, you don't typically see this. Hold on, what happened here? Hold on, bro, bro. Oh my God. All right, hold on one second. Look at this. This is kind of funny. You don't typically see this, but this is when you divide by zero. Like if, if you ever wrote like a calculator app, which is like a really classic, you know, for, well, you do hello world. And then the next thing you do is typically write a calculator, not a number increase over year. So some, something's dorked up here with them, but it does say that in 2022, they made $36 billion, billion and $34 billion the year before. So I do expect them to have made billions of dollars this year from a uh, ransomware threat actor group. They must've been salivating hitting Schneider electric. Um, We'll see. I do think that um, Schneider is large enough to maybe have have built in a nice information security program and be able to um, recover from the damage done. Uh, I mean, obviously, the corporate data, they're not going to be able to do much with. But um, 
the nice thing is this business is an autonomous entity operating on its own network infrastructure. Pretty cool. Uh, so you might think like, wow, Schneider Electric, way to, way to you know, foresee uh, building out your network infrastructure to, to limit the impact of a ransomware incident. If I had to guess, uh, and we see this a lot in, in, uh, in business, Schneider Electric probably acquired, like purchased a sustainability business and then just didn't merge the networks, right? Like they just brought it under, this is what big conglomerates do, right? A big conglomerate isn't going to buy a business and then like fully integrate it into their own business operation because they might want to, especially PE people. And I'm looking at you, uh, people who deal with PE firms. I, I've dealt with it in my past. Private equity firms come in, they buy a bunch of businesses, they try to eliminate waste, they try to increase um, profits, and then they sell the businesses. So they don't want uh, to integrate those businesses because you basically entangle everything. And then when you go to sell a business as an asset, you have to disentangle all those things, which is a huge pain in the A. So what they'll do is they'll buy a business, they'll keep it isolated, they'll leverage um, subject matter expertise across you know, the business units and stuff like that, and then they'll sell it. So if I had to guess, a very, very beneficial um, <laughs> a very beneficial um, or fortuitous accident that this business had a completely isolated network infrastructure. So even though it's Schneider Electric, it's really not. It's the sustainability business in Schneider Electric that got hit. All right. Is secretly buying your data. The U.S. National Security Agency wants to know what websites and apps Americans are using. The agency has acknowledged purchasing internet browsing records without the need for a court order, as revealed in a statement from Senator Ron Wyden, a member of the Senate Intelligence Committee. In a letter to the Director of National Intelligence, Wyden stated, quote, the U.S. government should not be funding and legitimizing a shady industry whose flagrant violations of Americans' privacy are not just unethical, but also illegal, end quote. In response, the NSA stated that they are, quote, taking steps to minimize the collection of U.S. person information, end quote. Avanti. All right. All right. Um, I, I appreciate uh, Senator Wyden, you know, standing on a soapbox and getting pissy. Very good. I, I'm all about this. I do want to point out that this is January 29th, 2024. 2024. I'd like to call everybody's attention to... Um, this story, oh wait, it's not going to come up. Very nice. How about this one from Electronic uh, Freedom Frontier? Or, yeah, Electronic Freedom Frontier. Um, where's the date on this story? God, I was trying to, I was trying to have a big reveal with dates on this, but come on, you're killing me, Smalls. Damn it. Whatever. This is 2021. Uh, the DIA, the De Defense, is it Defense Industrial Agency or? The, there's a DIA agency. Where is it? Um, oh my God. Of course. Of course, nothing is quick and in, in right at my fingertips right now. Listen, this isn't new. The CIA was doing this. It made a big story. It was a huge story. A couple, I, I feel like last year, there was a huge story that blew up about this. Here's the deal, okay? Quite simple. It, oh wait, hold on. If I want to buy, if I want access to data, right? 
I have to go get a FOIA request potentially. I have to make a, I have to um, make a, a a reasonable explanation. I have to publicly disclose that I'm getting the data. I so if if you're a government agency, right? CIA is doing a, a covert op. FBI is investigating someone, and they want this hot data. They need to disclose it, right? Now there is an entire market called data broker. It, dude, data. Thank you, Defense Intelligence Agency. Thank you, Kimberly. Listen, data. I've said this a million times. In 2024, data is the new gold. It's really data has been the gold for the last five, six years. Data has been oil. Okay. Those who have data have money and have power, and they can sell the data to make more money and give other people power. Data is unbelievably valuable. That is why data science and data analytics and all the data is so like rampant right now and so in demand. So what am I talking about? Well, because of all the data and data brokers, data brokers don't care. They're straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. They will sell to whoever wants to buy their data. So if you're a government agency and you have to jump through a million hurdles or hoops and over a hurdle, throw some hurdles in there, in order to get access to data, or you can just stroke a check with your budget and buy reams and reams of data, which one are you going to choose? Like literally, I get that there is a moral um, underpinning here of being transparent and serving, like having civil service and serving the public domain. But dude, the NSA, the DIA, the CIA, the FBI, they're about, with, with all due respect, control. They're about control. They're about asynchronous uh, information or asymmetrical information. We have it. You don't. We're making moves like a snake in the grass. You're not, right? So wh why wouldn't they do this? Like it is a freaking massive uh, ecosystem. And I say this all the time. It hasn't come up in a minute. But I do say this all the time. If you don't know how incredibly crazy data brokers are and what's up with that, I cannot recommend enough this episode of Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Okay? Right here. John Oliver did this amazing rip 30-minute documentary on data brokers, how scary it is, how to get the data. Um... I would almost consider this required viewing to to like operate in cybersecurity in 2024. Like you should absolutely know about this data in the data broker ecosystem. And the messed up thing is that like the three largest, most wealthy, lucrative companies that broker in data, you've never heard of. That's like the craziest part. Like billions of dollars companies you never heard of because you know what they don't need to do market they don't need cool logos and stickers and commercials at the super bowl because they are making money hand over fist because the people who know where the data is they go directly to them and they can charge whatever they want it's bananas all right anyways long story short i'm glad that there's some oversight here the nsa has already done it they've already bought the data without warrants by the way that's like kind of the key here this is what <laughs> this is what wholesale uh, surveillance capitalism is. If you've ever heard the term surveillance capitalism, welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, Struggles pal. with zero-day deadline. The IT software firm Avanti is officially one week behind schedule and releasing critical zero-day patches. And this delay is just the beginning. 
We've been covering this story since early January when researchers at Velexity discovered a Chinese government-backed hacking team exploiting two zero-day vulnerabilities in Avanti. The Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency issued an emergency directive setting a deadline for federal agencies to deploy fixes by January 22nd. However, Avanti has confirmed that the release of patches will be delayed. Avanti now aims to release some patches next week for specific versions of Avanti Connect Secure, Avanti Policy Secure, and Zeta. You can find those specific versions on the blog for today's episode. Additional patches are still expected to be released on a staggered schedule, but the timing of those releases remains unclear. All right, Avanti. Jesus, man, like take a take a turn in the barrel. Avanti has been getting slapped around hardcore these last couple of days. Uh, their technologies, Avanti uh, Secure Policy and Avanti um, Secure whatever, like basically their VPN, their internet-facing network solution has a zero day and advanced threat actors, looks like China, okay, uh, or it, it, there's data indicating China. I'm not just like throwing China shade around here. Like there, there's indicators of Chinese compromises uh, are getting popped. Now, don't think that it isn't just nation state threat actor or espionage. Ransomware threat actors love themselves some exploitation as well. And guys, you got to remember, think about it for a minute. The VP, if you don't know what a VPN is, it's a virtual private network. But but really what you need to know is that it is the interface between the internet and your internal network. And it, it basically allows a choke point at uh, a, a border patrol, like at the border of US and Mexico, right? Or US and Canada or uh, Germany and Belgium. Do they, do they border? <laughs> I don't know. So it's basically a choke point to allow you to come through in a controlled way. And then once you're on the VPN, then you're on the internal network. Very good, very powerful, great security control. But the problem is if if a threat actor can just plow right through your VPN, then they're on, you're on your internal network. And now you've got real problems, okay? The call is coming from inside the house, They're like a horror movie, okay? This is why this is so, so bad. Now, I do want to tell you for a fact I was talking to a friend of mine who owns a MSSP company and does incident response and stuff. I asked him how it was going. This is last week. I said, how's it going, bro? I haven't talked to you in a minute. He's like, dude, this Avanti stuff. It's like, it's it's crazy. Like we're getting a lot of work because it's so like the reason CISA released the, um, the deadline for the federal agencies and the reason CISA put it on like their advisory shields up list and all like the reason it's getting the, as much pub as it is in the United States kind of at the uh, federal level is because there are massive amounts of active compromises going on. This isn't just a zero day and like, oh, you better fix it. You got to patch it. Ah, you got to patch it. It's active exploitation and businesses are getting slapped in the mouth, right? Now, Avanti is, I'm sure they're working their butt off in order to get the patches fixed and secure things, but chances are the, the problem is really like a really complicated problem. So difficult to just slap a patch on. Second of all, they're probably moving really quickly. We saw this with, um, oh geez, we saw this with Log4j and we saw it with another major vulnerability, uh, I, maybe Felina. 
It doesn't matter. The point is, sometimes when the vendors are rushing to put patches together, they'll actually introduce other issues, new issues, or the patch will be easy to um, circumvent. Um, so, and threat actors know that. You got to remember, guys. So, first of all, if you're running Avanti, you absolutely need to uh, take action on this right now. Definitely put in uh, increased levels of uh, monitoring to make sure that if you do get compromised, you know as quickly as you possibly can that you have been and you can monitor um, level of breach, level of um, like lateral movement, et cetera. Now, the bigger picture, and this is a more you know kind of situation, if I may. Uh, let me do, where's my more you know um, emote? One second. There you go. So here's the more you know. Listen, when a patch comes out, okay? When a patch comes out, it typically patches a file a library a couple files right we're, we're, like gone are the days of like the monolithic fat app right a lot of times there there's like um driver files dynamic link libraries support files like whatever so when a patch comes out yes you can apply the patch and they the vendors the nicer vendors will make it so it's like a double click or you just roll it into some patch management process however what i want to call your attention to is you have, a, or a threat actor will have a copy of the zero day vulnerable version of the files and the apps and stuff. And then they'll have the patched version. And guess what you can do with that? You can overlay them with each other and look where the differences are. So it's not unrealistic to look at a patched version and look at the non-patched version and see exactly what the vendor did to fix it. You can pinpoint exactly what the patch fixed. And if there's multiple dimensions to the vulnerability, well, maybe they only closed off one dimension of it or, or even worse. Sometimes they like, they like do security through obscurity and a threat actor is able to look at the patch and be like, Oh my God, like this isn't fixing anything. Like just cause you hide the button doesn't mean I can't push it using an API call or something like that. Anyways, there you go. That that's how it works. That's like next level um, software exploitation and um, software anal uh, analysis when you look at the patched and unpatched versions next to each other. And now a word from our sponsor, Vanta. From dozens of spreadsheets and screenshots to fragmented tools and manual security reviews, managing the requirements for modern compliance and security programs is increasingly challenging. Vanta is the leading trust management platform that helps you centralize your efforts to establish trust and enable growth across your organization. Over 6,000 companies partner with Vanta to automate compliance, strengthen security posture, streamline security reviews, and reduce third-party risk. To learn more, go to vanta.com slash CISO and watch their three-minute product demo. That's Vanta, V-A-N-T-A dot com slash CISO, C-I-S-O. Here we go. Get ready. Sliding in to the Simply Cyber Breakfast Club. Let's go. All right, y'all. I hope you're all having a great show today. I certainly am having a lot of fun. Thank you so much for being here. 476 of you beautiful people. Let's go. Guys, I want to say, if you're getting entertainment value or education value from the stream, do me a favor and hit the like button. 
It goes a long way to helping other people find the show. First timers who are here today, they may have found the show simply because yesterday you guys hit the like button. So pay it forward. Thank you so very much for taking the second and doing it. All right, really quick. Zach Chope passed his sec plus. Nice job, Zach. Also interviewed for an entry-level desk roll and may have it in the bag. Nice. Way to go, Zach Chote. Love it, love it, love it. Hey, guys. Um, I want to say shout-out to the stream sponsors, Barricade, Panopsi, but also Anti-Siphon Training. I asked about it at the, at the beginning. I saw many of you in the Active Defense Cyber Deception course. Listen, Anti-Siphon Training is disrupting the traditional cybersecurity training industry by offering unbelievably high-quality, cutting-edge education to anyone, regardless of financial position. That means you can get... Um, learn skills, apply what is taught, and network with other professionals in an amazing way. And if you're looking to, right now, next week, John Strand is teaching SOC core skills. An amazing course, excellent foundational course. It'll teach you a lot of the fundamental IT stuff, networking, operating systems. If you have the time, you can take this course for $0. Do not let this opportunity bypass you. Just make it a priority. Take the time. Get it. And if you're in the SOC, uh, if you're in the active defense and cyber deception course, uh, I hope you're enjoying the crap out of it. Um, I don't have time for jaw jacking today because we're going to be, I got to run to the Citadel, but I really would love to hear what people uh, are experiences in the um, active defense, cyber deception. And if you, if you are going back to the class today, uh, hashtag simply cyber in chat. Let's let's uh, make some noise, everybody. All right, hey, really quickly, I want to remind everybody about the simply cyber daily, uh, simply cyber community challenge. Check this out. Jason Summers currently has the baton. Listen, guys, if you want to absolutely blow up your professional network, go on LinkedIn, search for the hashtag simply cyber community challenge right there at the bottom of the screen. Search for the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge and connect to the people posting. They are the baton holders. We switch it every day. Connect with the people posting. Connect with the people in the comments and comment yourself so the next person who comes through connects with you because you're in the comments, right? For the baton holder, we asked Jason Summers if he will tag somebody this morning. Jason, please tag somebody with the baton. If you would like to share your story, if you would like to blow up your professional network, volunteer right now and let Jason Summers grab you and then take the uh, baton and please post on hashtag and tag, uh, use the hashtag simply cyber community challenge and tag me, Gerald Dozier, and we'll keep it going. It's all about good times. I'm telling you two weeks, five minutes a day, the simply cyber community challenge will significantly help you. All right, guys, it's Tidbits Tuesday. I share a little bit about myself every Tuesday uh, just to see if we resonate and jive on each other. One thing I want to share with you guys is I don't I don't follow uh, Premier League soccer or Major League Soccer, but I will tell you every four years when World Cup comes around, I turn into a, a hooligan. I'm out of control. I like priority. Uh, it's like appointment viewing for me. I'll move things around so I can watch uh, Team USA play. I can watch the knockout rounds i'll end up like every every world cup i have no idea but like i might get like super into like 
you know, South Korea this year, or Cameroon next year, whatever. Like I, I I'm all over the place. I love the storylines. I love the, uh, kind of the, the, the pageantry of it. Um, and you know, obviously Argentina, uh, last year or a couple years ago and Messi, it's awesome. I love myself some world cup. Uh, so just, I don't know if anyone else is a world cup fan, but let's go. All right, let's keep getting going and get back into the news. Come on, man. Former Department of Homeland Security employees have been sentenced for conspiring to steal proprietary software and sensitive law enforcement databases from the U.S. government for commercial use. Now, according to court documents, the stolen information included sensitive law enforcement data and personally identifiable information of over 200,000 federal employees. The three individuals charged are Charles K. Edwards, former acting inspector general of the DHS office of inspector general who received a one and a half year prison sentence. Sanal Patel and Morali Venkata, both from the DHS OIG's information technology department. They were sentenced to two years of probation and four months in prison respectively. The trio had planned to use the stolen data to create a commercial software product for sale to other government agencies. Solar winds. All right. So, hey, really quickly, Jason Summers has tagged Martin Clark. Martin Clark, you got the baton. Let's go, Martin Clark. Also, shout out to Robert Cooper. I tell you guys about the Simply Cyber Daily, uh, Simply Cyber Community Challenge all the time. I'm talking about real life impacts. Robert Cooper says he got invited onto a cyber podcast because of the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Definitely uh, supporting it. It is great. And congratulations, Robert. Enjoy the uh, the uh, podcast experience. All right. So DHS employees jailed for stealing data. First of all, you're lucky you didn't get um, a, a harsher sentence. Okay. You work for the federal government, man. Like you have access to data in order to serve the community, serve the population, not to enrich yourself, you donkey. Now, one good thing, I guess, uh, straight cash, homie. is that it's all about straight cash, homie. Cash rules everything around me. Cream, right? This this group of dudes, they were basically stealing data so they could build a business and then sell the access to the business uh, to the software uh, for whatever reason. But you here's the thing: you cannot steal other people's data, whether it's um, nonprofit like the government or it's for profit that's not allowed that's not your data it, it like and i hate that people are like oh it's a um yeah actually i hate i hate that people are like oh it's like a victimless crime like oh like we're just copy paste data no it's not allowed i'll give you another example i've seen uh student graduating from a medical university downloading all the patient data uh, relative to their very specific expertise so they could open a business the next week and have all of that specific patient data, contact information so they could send out a flyer. Hey, I saw you have this like very specific illness that I'm an expert in. Here's a 10% off coupon and a free cookie if you come down next week for my grand opening of my business. That's not allowed. That's illegal. You're not allowed to steal data, especially sensitive patient data, for example. So th these guys enriching themselves, um, going to jail, good. And, and to, just to like throw one more fire or, or um, 
throw one more uh, tire on this tire fire. They were in the Department of Homeland Security's Office of Inspector General, the OIG. That is supposed to be the department that investigates other people who work at the DHS to make sure they're not abusing their access and resources. It's supposed to be the watchers of the watchmen. And they are the ones. So who watches the watchers, right? To take that tagline back from watchmen. Who watches the watchers? Thank God someone does, or else they would have been absolutely abusing their access. This should serve as a warning. Do not steal data. Hits back at the SEC. SolarWinds is dismissing the SEC's fraud charges against the company as, quote, as unfounded as they are unprecedented, end quote. We, of course, all remember that 18,000 organizations were impacted by the supply chain attack ranging from major entities like Microsoft and Intel to government agencies such as the Pentagon and Treasury. Now, in the aftermath, the SEC filed a lawsuit against SolarWinds, alleging the company and its CISO misled investors about their security practices. SolarWinds has filed a motion to dismiss the lawsuit with a representative for the company telling the register that SolarWinds took the proper steps when disclosing the incident. The company claims the SEC's lawsuit is an attempt to, quote, force companies to disclose internal details about their cybersecurity programs, end quote. As of this recording, the SEC has not responded to the register's request for comment. Ukraine. Uh, okay, so, dudes, solar winds. Wow. There's a lot to unpack here, okay? So just a level set, SolarWinds is a company, a technology company, and one of the products they sell, and they sell a bunch, um, allows you to do kind of like coordinated IT infrastructure management. Like, so, so what does that mean? Basically, it allows you to see all of your technologies, all your endpoints, and manage your you know complex infrastructures. And large enterprises love themselves some SolarWinds because it makes management and visibility for IT possible, okay? However, because you have all that visibility and all that access and all that technology, if a threat actor gets in it, they can ride the rails on a crazy train to whatever station they want, your internal sales force, your internal engineering, your file servers, your remote location in Tulik, uh, or, uh, yeah, Tulik, <laughs> uh, to take it to like, uh, Tulik, Alaska, right? So you could take it anywhere you want. So a couple years ago, Russia compromised SolarWinds in what I would consider the most elegant, sophisticated, well-executed cyber attack ever that I know of, right? I'm sure there's other ones that never made public press, but for the sake of this discussion, this right here. I, I would say if you're looking to break into the industry, go study this as a case study. This is a, and I hate to celebrate it uh, because it is really bad, but like it was an absolute mm, chef's kiss to whoever the architect was of this attack over in Russia. Okay, go go check it out. Now, it's a publicly traded company. So the SEC has got a lawsuit against them saying they didn't like, they basically didn't protect themselves properly and they invited this type of compromise. Two things. One, and this is a, a this is my own opinion, right? Not objective. This is very subjective. So I'll throw a tinfoil, tinfoil hat on. 
you cannot you cannot eliminate all risk at all. You will always have residual risk. Welcome to GRC 101. You will always have residual risk. The fact that SolarWinds got popped by an unbelievably sophisticated, well-funded, highly motivated threat actor is not, it's not because they sucked at information security. I don't know anything about SolarWinds information security program, but if I had to guess, it was probably pretty good. It certainly wasn't no MFA and you know, YOLO standing up your own IT stuff wherever you want. No, it was probably dialed in because they're well aware of all their clients, the federal government, to say a few, and the level of access their technologies give. They probably had really good security. So for the SEC to blame them and say, oh, oh your, your security obviously sucked. You need to, we want to pass rules and laws that say you need to disclose your information security program. This is a dangerous precedent. I'm going to tell you why. First of all, the the argument that if you tell us what your information security program looks like, that's going to make the shareholders happy? No. Dude, if you require businesses to outline in detail what their information security program is to include their gaps and their risks... I, as a threat actor, am going to be salivating. I am just like double-fisted, like, that would be the juiciest thing you could give to a threat actor. It literally outlines where the soft spots are. It's like requiring a business um, that has a castle, right? Let's take it back to chivalry or uh, back in the day, medieval times. You've got a castle. But you're required to do a uh, uh, like a survey around the perimeter of the castle and then disclose on the public uh, community bulletin board where you have secret entrances, where the stones aren't really mortared in, where there's no alligators in the moat, right? You're, you're required to tell all of the gaps you have. And like no one's going to abuse that access. Are you freaking kidding me? So no, I don't agree with this 100%. Um, I, I, I think, I think it's, I think it's unfair, frankly, businesses get hit all the time, all the time. Schneider electric first story, Schneider electric got hit with clients like Walmart, DHL insert fortune five company, Pepsi, DuPont, Clorox, Hilton. Are, is the sec coming after them? Is the sec like, Oh, look. Look at this cactus ransomware hitting uh, Schneider Electric. Let's require them to disclose it. No. If I had to guess, final tinfoil hat, okay? Final tinfoil hat. If I had to guess, this is power players and pissing matches going on right here. Somebody somebody who's like, you know, a politician that got supported by whoever like the the the, the money is behind solar winds. It's got a hair across their butt and they're trying to go after it, try to, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like this isn't a straight story where it's like, oh, you are a company and you caused a problem and we're trying to hold you accountable for the greater good. To me, this just reeks of like power players and, and pissing matches. Okay. Sorry, Kennedy. Prison of war agency, victim of cyber attack. Ukraine's Agency for Prisoners of War faced a weekend denial of service attack. 
According to the record, the agency works with families of military personnel who were captured or missing and negotiates prison exchanges and the return of bodies of fallen soldiers. Access to the website has since been restored. Now, the state agency claims the attack aimed at suppressing information on a planned prisoner exchange. While the hackers behind the attack have not been identified, the agency has accused Moscow as retribution for a recent Russian transportation crash. Tech support. <laughs> okay. Um, so, I mean, uh, I'm a little confused by this story. I mean, here's the deal. Russia and Ukraine are in a conflict right now, right? So, Ru Ukraine taking down a Russian transport plane, Russia attacking uh, IT infrastructure of Ukraine. Like, this all sounds like what you would expect of two uh, nation states combating each other. Now, hitting their POW agency, I didn't even know that there was a POW agency. I mean, I get that there's prisoners of war, but I just, I assume that kind of fell under like whatever military arm you had. I didn't know that it warranted having its own agency. Has anyone else ever heard of this? I've never, I didn't, I, I mean, I get it, but I didn't know that. Um, uh, let's see. I don't know. You know, it's kind of confusing. I don't know why um, Russia would want to knock out Ukraine's POW agency, right? I mean, if you're doing a prisoner exchange and there's citizens of your country under the care of that agency, wouldn't you like almost want to make that like not touchable in order to ensure that your uh, brethren, right? The soldiers that are of your ilk are being treated fairly. I don't know. Now, it was a distributed denial of service attack, um, which is really in the repertoire of um, th this conflict. Like, there's a lot of different cyber attacks going on, but I feel like the most uh, common one you see in the news is uh, d denial of service. Excuse me, denial of service attacks. I mean, they're not trivial to execute, but they're they're easier than you know more precision strike stuff. Um, the attack was. Uh, Targeting, wait, there's a couple of different attacks going on because this, it says phishing emails. This is not how a denial of service attack works. Um, okay. So I'm not going to go on on this story. Just basically, it's more cyber war type stuff going on between Russia and Ukraine. Um, I In my Cyber 101 class, I have an entire module on cyber warfare. And because of what's going on with Russia and Ukraine in this kind of unprecedented conflict uh, in a modern era. Um, I have an entire lecture just on Russia, Ukraine in the Cyber 101 course. Um, oh, oh my God. So BSEC's telling me that the, the POWs were in the plane that got shot down. That's, that's different. That is, that's horrible. Oh my God. That's, that's terrible. Why would you put the POWs in the plane and then shoot the plane down. That seems kind of, or or oh oh they did they do the exchange, and then they shot the plane down. That's like a war crime, isn't it? The country's coordination headquarters for the treatment of prisoners of war works with family military who were captured or missing. Uh, Kremlin says it was carrying 65 Ukrainian prisoners of war to be swapped 
and the Russian servicemen in the plane crashed. So it was Ukrainian POWs on the plane. It was a Russian plane. Russia was bringing the POWs over to exchange them. And then someone shot the plane down. God, Lee. So I don't know if this is uh, one of these ideological things where basically um, a faction of hardliners did not want to do the prisoner exchange. So they shot down the plane. But even that's insane because you're literally you're limit, literally killing your Russian soldiers as well. It wasn't like it was Ukrainian prisoners of war that were flying the plane either. You know what I mean? Okay, so Richard Moulton and Chad is saying that the story, um, there's a lot going on. I, I'm going to stop on this particular story, but Jesus, war is hell, man. Sorry, You know what? I'm not even going to say sorry, Kennedy, because that's that's a fact that Kennedy should know about. War is ugly and war is hell. And, you know, something as, as righteous as a POW exchange can get ugly quick. Jeez, man. In government impersonation scams evolve. Scammers beware. The FBI is warning about a government impersonation scam that is primarily targeting seniors. Now, according to the FBI, from May to December of 2023, this scam cost victims over $55 million dollars. The fraudulent scheme consists of instructing victims to liquidate their assets into cash and or buy gold, silver, or other precious metals. Once completed, the scammers would send couriers to retrieve the items from the victim with the promise they would be put into a secure account. Needless to say, those items were never seen again. Surprise. A lot of conversations around. All right. So, God. This one pisses me off, okay? Like, children and elderly people are vulnerable, okay? I, I hate this. So, I, there's like a massive, massive... Like, I almost... This is, this is talked about, but I feel like it's not talked enough about enough, okay? The FBI, or in the, the Department of Justice and the FBI are releasing alert saying like it, it has risen to this level of frequency that the federal government is issuing alerts elderly people are being taken advantage of okay i had a call with somebody um back in march okay i gave a talk at a business and one of the employees of the business reached out to me afterwards and he said listen i've got a uh, an elderly aunt who is convinced she's in a relationship with someone. And we have told her that the person is ripping her off and she is so opposed to it. And, and like, she's literally giving money, all of her money to this threat actor. I mean, they didn't say threat actor, but you get what I'm saying. And we've told her she can't do it. Like they, 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 he's like, what can we do? And I'm like, Ugh. and like, and we, it ultimately came where like, they're going to have to um, intervene legally and take over her assets to prove that she's not mentally um, competent, which she is. She's just insane about this particular uh, relationship she's in. So guys, when you're an old person and you've worked your life to get money or maybe money's t tight and hard, whatever it is, it's hard to make new money when you're old. So you're kind of like, you know, retired, living off your pension, living off your 401k, living off whatever, living with your family, whatever it is. Threat actors know that you've got that money. They know you're vulnerable and they freaking 
compromise you. The fact that these people are liquidating their assets, like think about it for a second. If anyone called you like, and was like, hey, listen, like, dude, it's one thing to have like a really elegant fish. Like, oh, hey, there's a fraudulent charge on your credit card account. Click here. Oh, like maybe you fall for it. When the email says, hey, liquidate all your assets into gold and we'll send a courier to pick it up. Who is falling for that? But unfortunately, again, enough people are falling for it that the FBI is now issuing a national alert. $55 million in lost assets last year alone. Disgusting. Um, actually, from May to December. So only in six months. So hundred, you know, on average, $100 million. We, we, and again, this is not an easy problem to solve, but I would strongly, just as a starting point, I would strongly encourage you to speak to the older people in your family. Make them aware about these scumbags and their attacks. May, educate them. Maybe they'll tell their friends at bocce ball or, or uh, pinochle or whatever. Please. And if, I mean, if you really want to go YOLO, uh, you know, go into the community, speak at your church, right? If you, if you're a church goer, ask for five minutes during the sermon for a public service announcement. If you work like just get it in people's faces. If you work at a business, put it in a newsletter, do something edgy. I, I would almost, I would almost encourage you to put it in your business, educate your business end users. But, but here's the trick. Don't educate them on this fraud. Educate them on how to educate their elderly people in their life that they love. Listen, everyone's got a mom. Everyone's got a dad, right? Everyone. Someone at some point had to procreate to make you. You didn't just come up in a test tube, right? So, and, and if obviously if they're no longer alive, you know, that's understandable. But my point is everyone's got someone who's older than them, most people. So if you educate them on how to educate them, Educate the business people on how to educate the people they love to protect themselves from this. Nobody wants this, dude. Nobody wants their their Aunt Dorothea, 75 years old, like going to Walmart to buy $500 in Best Buy gift cards. No one wants that. But education, this is why I pound the desk on end-user awareness training. It's not an annual PowerPoint exercise. It is a freaking recurring mo behavior-modifying effort that we need to be consistent with and we need to be vigilant or else this is going to happen. I'm telling you guys, threat actors, if you are a threat actor for a second, right? You make your money off ripping other people off. Are you going to, ready? Are you going to walk into... Like, are you going to walk outside and like, there's a huge six foot four Navy SEAL, 30 year old shredded, right? With a wallet, with a, with a chain on the wallet and just like, oh, like eating metal. Right. And right next to them is an elderly um, person on a walker with like just a fistful of cash sticking out of their back pocket. And then it's just like, Oh, and like, they got like, they got the blue blockers on like the, the, the sunglasses that are like rectangular and they're just like, you know, barely moving. Which one of those are you going to rob? Obviously the softer, easier target, higher chance of success, lower chance of, um, self in self-inflicted pain. All of the reasons. So because of that simple, silly analogy, this right here, they're going to go after the soft targets. It makes 
it makes like from a human perspective, people will go for the easier path 10 times out of 10. No one's looking to make life harder. Okay. So educate your end users, please. This is a freaking cry for help. Thank you, FBI, for your public service announcement. All right, let's go. All right, guys. Hey, really quickly, um, we had a great show today. I want to remind you before you leave, later today at, um, oh my gosh, later today at 1 p.m., we're going to continue our the new show that I uh, launched this year called Cyber Starters. If you are looking to hang out at 1 p.m. today, we're going to go live. It's, ep- it's season one, episode five. Basically, um, I'm an entrepreneur. Ryan is an entrepreneur. And our guests are entrepreneurs. And the whole premise of this show is we're talking to cybersecurity startups and tackling the problems that they had. So if you are interested in learning about business, learning about you know bootstrapping versus getting uh, VC money, learning like, do you, do you hire? Do you outsource? What's the strategy? How do you find a product? How do you find clients? How do you balance your checkbook or your uh, your ledgers? All that crap. If you're interested in business, come out at 1 p.m. and uh, represent. If you're going to the um, Active Defense Cyber Deception course with John Strand, enjoy the crap out of it. I, I loved it. I took it. I have a video on the channel for it. I love it. All right, guys, it is uh, nine o'clock. I've got to go teach at the Citadel. We're doing denial of service attacks today, educating the students all up on denial of service, on denying service. You can bet your bottom dollar I'm going to be bringing this Ukraine story up in this uh, denial of service attack. First thing I do when I get in there. All right, guys, I'm Jerry. Oh, really quickly, too. Um, really quickly, Chris, um, Chris Young released this um thing uh this this little pdf if you are looking to get like instant access to some of the stories that we cover for whatever reason say you're, you're trying to do research or whatever chris put together this nice little pdf i'm gonna probably uh t- i'm talking to chris about putting it into a blog post but basically uh this is really cool he shows you step by step you go to the youtube you search on my simply cyber channel for whatever you want in this example he uses citrix bleed now the stories come up, but here's the best part: because Chris Weaver painstakingly um, indexes all of the shows. Thank you again, Chris Weaver. Um, they get pulled up in search, so you can click on a news story, then look at the index in the con. It, I, I always pin the comment too, so it'll be right there at the top, and you can go right into that story. You'll get the story, and you'll get my analysis for that story. And I've been doing this for 546 episodes, so there is quite a um, there's quite a uh, uh, um, a corpus of data and stories to pull from. All right. So thanks to Chris Young and obviously thanks to Chris Weaver, um, as always. All right, guys. I'm Jerry. Your chat. I got to go teach. Be well, and I'll see you hopefully at 1 p.m. Remember, if you're going into active defense and cyber deception, hashtag Simply Cyber Raid in chat before this class gets going. Let John know. Let John know. I love John Strand. I'm friends with him. Let him know what's up. All right. Be well, everybody. And until next time, stay secure.
If you enjoyed that content, keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts, and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content, and we'll see you in the next one.